0: Uh, Just to thank you for continuing to give, continuing to honor God in the area of tithes and offerings, and uh, worshiping God in that area. Because of your generosity, because of your giving, um, and you'll see there are different ways that you can give uh, on the screen, but because of your giving, uh, God is doing cool things in and through the people of this church he's reaching our community he's doing mighty and powerful things that is so awesome and so cool um, and if you, it's okay with you this morning I'd just like to take a few minutes just to share uh, a powerful win that happened this past week so Ross if you can throw that uh, graphic up here this was Wednesday night a uh, Wednesday morning uh, it's called see you at the flagpole uh, that happens yeah let's celebrate somebody's already celebrating yes This is something that happens once a year where uh, the uh, uh, FCA, Fellowship of Christian Athletes in our schools, uh, they will organize a or see you at the flagpole, an opportunity to invite their friends to come hang around. Uh, they meet on a weekly basis, but this is one of those come together moments. And so the f- top photograph that you see is uh, Frontneck High School, and the bottom is Pittsburgh High School. Uh, but here's the cool thing here's what I want to share. Um, John Palumbo, who leads our FCA at Frontneck, um, he uh, started attending Flag Church, and when he attended Flag Church, uh, he didn't have the greatest relationship with Jesus. (laughs) And uh, this was a safe place for him to walk into. And he walked in, and God has done a work in his life, and now, God is using him to do a work in about 100 plus students in the high school in Frontenac. Isn't that cool? Isn't that cool? And and on the bottom, we have uh, Pastor Eli gets to invest in our students here at, uh, in, in, at Flag Church. And we have three of our own uh, high school students that lead the FCA in Pittsburgh. And they got to lead, uh, one being my daughter, got to lead uh, the FCA organization there that's happening in Pittsburgh this past Wednesday. And so once again, God is using the people of this church to reach outside of the four walls of this church. And I just want to thank you, and for continuing to give and continue to believe and continuing to believe in the vision that God has planted here to reach the next generation, to reach the next generation for Jesus. And so we're excited. We just want to say thank you for the opportunity to partner and do ministry together. Hey, also, this Wednesday, we continue midweek discipleship. Just want to invite you to all come be a part of it. We'll have empowered youth in here, flag kids meeting, uh, flag nursery meeting, and then we have our Bible study that is diving into the the book of Ephesians. It's been so awesome. Uh, Kelly and Shelby have been doing an outstanding job, Pastor Shelby, and this week I get to uh, share a little bit and so excited for that. So come be a part of that. This Wednesday, 7 p.m., ministry for the whole family. Also, uh, talking about the next generation, we've got YouthCon coming up. Uh, the first weekend in November, will be in Wichita. Pastor Eli will be leading a team of students out there. So if you have students in our empowered youth ministry, middle school or high school, get them signed up by going to our Flag Church app. If you have questions, connect with him. He'll give you more information in regards to to YouthCon. Also, one last announcement that I don't have a slide. This Thursday, if you are a business leader or you're part of a business in your community, uh, we are hosting our Chamber Coffee here in, at Flag Church at 8 p.m. 8 a.m. <laughs> don't show up at 8 p.m. Nobody will be here. 8 a.m. Uh, this Thursday, Chamber Coffee here, so if you want to come be a part of that, we'd love to have you. Misty, I'm going to have you help me real quick. I didn't want to bring this up earlier, but this is for my message. I'm not going to drink Coke while I'm preaching, I promise. But hey, guess what? We are getting ready to start um, our word this morning, and we are continuing our series, Did God Really Say? And we started this, uh, what? Three, four week, three weeks ago, this is the fourth week, uh, four weeks ago I should say, and uh, it's been amazing just to see uh, the conversations that have been happening in the lobby, the conversations we've been hearing that's happening in Life Group, um, and God is doing a work in people's hearts and lives, and we're excited, and I'll share more about that here at the end of service. But we're continuing our series uh, talking about, did God really say... And this morning, we're talking about slaves to the Spirit. So, uh, just a heads up, um, if you have our Flag Church app, if you don't, I highly encourage you to download the app, to uh, grab the app, because you have a lot that you can find in the app. But one of those things is message notes, and I think it's important to take notes because there's a lot of content that we forget the moment we leave this building. If that is handwritten notes, or if that's in your digital device, uh, we give you an opportunity in our app to be able to take notes, so we hope you would consider that. So, growing up, um, any, any anyone like Coke in the room? You guys that are our Coke drinkers? Who are our Coke drinkers? And all our Pepsi people are going boo, right? Any Pepsi drinkers? Is this a Pepsi town? Okay, I have a split audience here. This is, I should have had a Coke bottle and a, but it doesn't taste as good as Pepsi. Right, Coke doesn't, no, I'm just kidding. Anyway, growing up, I don't drink either of them right now. I don't drink pop, so there you go. So this one, uh, some lucky winner is gonna get this, or whoever comes up here first when I, when I call for you. But anyway, growing up, um, back home in Sri Lanka, uh, we um well we didn't have all the two liter bottles and all of that. it was glass bottles, um, and man, they tasted so much better. yeah, yeah. <laughs> she's like, yeah, the real stuff right not the not the stuff you get here." But uh, I was told that if you get the taller bottles, we have an inside source here that works for Coke. I won't let, let your name out in case we are Pepsi people in town. Uh, but um, I was told if you get the tall bottle, it has the, uh, it has the cane sugar, which is like what you would get uh, the real stuff. So anyway, growing up, uh, used to uh, love drinking a chill bottle of Coke. Okay, but it was not something that we just got, went to the store every day, and God, it was it was one of these special things because uh, it was expensive getting a bottle of Coke, and so you had to have a special uh, event or an occasion that you would get a bottle of Coke, or maybe it was a really, really, really hot day, and we have been out all day, and so you're like, you know what, let's go get a bottle of Coke, and it was so awesome having a bottle of Coke, and you pop that, and I wish that was on the mic so you could hear when you pop it, how it makes that sound and it's refreshing and man, I used to love drinking Coke. And uh, um, I used to dream, I know this is kind of weird, but I used to dream that if only, as a kid, I could have this pipeline that went to the Coke factory that came to my house and I had a faucet that I could just have this constant flow of Coke it would be so amazing, right? As kids, we kind of dream up these crazy ideas, right? Because it was so good. But here's the crazy thing with Coke is that um, I would be so thirsty, and, and uh, man, I would be so excited, and, and I would crave to have a bottle of Coke. And, and when, you're, when you're drinking that Coke, man, it tastes so, so, so good and so refreshing. But something about back home is really hot. I lived uh, uh, in Sri Lanka, where it's very, very hot and humid. But as soon as you got done drinking that bottle of Coke, a few minutes later, you were thirsty again. Have you ever experienced that? And you were ready for another bottle of Coke. And then you were thirsty again. And you were ready for another bottle of Coke. But that never happened back home, because you only got one bottle of Coke at a time. But what I noticed... Is that if I was to drink a cup of water, my thirst was quenched, Kind of crazy. But with the cook, I would crave it and crave it, but it would never fulfill that thirst that I had that that uh, that the quench my thirst that I had from the heat of the day. It was just a short term, fulfillment that I had drinking that coke but it was never as good as drinking a nice chilled cup of water. Anyone like a coke? It's yours. Come up. I got a guest here. He raised his hand. You raised your hand, right? Here you go. You get a coke. He's like, you can sip on that while I preach. Oh, he's passing. He's making friends. Good. Say what? Nothing. Okay. But you, you, what I'm trying to get at here is that, man, there are things in our life that we crave for because they look so good, and, and man, they are, they are fulfilling, but, but they don't truly fulfill us. Today we're going to unpack the concept of being slave to the spirit of this world or craving, that, uh, that basically uh, the cravings that lead to bondage or being slave to the Spirit of God that leads to freedom. So we started this whole series talking about the devil and how the devil, uh, how he has uh, this concept of deception and how he's trafficking deceptive ideas to corrupt our mind, to destroy us, right? And so uh, if we have that graphic, uh, uh, Ross, if you can throw that up real quick. I just want to kind of refresh our memory here. Uh, The first three weeks we've been talking about the devil and we've been talking about truth and lies. And we started by week one looking at truth and lies. We went all the way back to the garden and we, we, we talked about what truth was and what lies was and the, uh, the origin of truth and lies. And we, then we talked about uh, the person behind lies being the devil and who the devil was. And he was a created being and he has only one mission. His mission is to steal, kill and destroy. And we talked about how there was nothing good in the devil. We looked in week one how God made everything good. God made everything good. We see how God says it was good seven times, and then he says it was very good when everything was created. The devil does not create anything. He just takes what God has created, and he twists it upside down so that he can create chaos. God was a person that took chaos and created order. The enemy, the devil, is on a mission to take order and create chaos. And so he's in this reverse uh, process of reversing everything that God intended for good to be bad. We know that the devil is a created being. He's no equal to God. He has a beginning and an end. But he is a defeated For He has been defeated by Jesus when Jesus went to the cross and rose again on the third day. And he's this wounded animal that is even more dangerous right now that is trying to take as many people... To hell as possible. As we looked at the devil, and last week Pastor Eli did an amazing job talking about the devil's uh, strategy, which is deception. He uses deception and he uses lies to trick you into believing that it is truth, so you may step into something that leads to death. When we follow the devil, it leads to death. When we follow God, it leads to life. And so that was the deceptive idea concept that we've been uh, looking at and and talking about for uh, the last three weeks. This week, we're going to be stepping into the whole concept of the flesh, which is the disordered desires. So what we see here is that the devil uses, uses deceptive ideas, which is lies, to create in us disordered desires, which are our fleshly desires, okay? I'm not saying Coke is from the devil, but what I'm trying to say was this, that it's kind of like Coke, right? We, we, we think it's so good it's going to quench our thirst, but in reality, it's just another drink that's lying to us It's going to quench our thirst, but it really doesn't. It just adds a lot more sugar in us, right? Uh, sorry, all you Coke drinkers. Uh, but anyway... Uh, but that's kind of what the devil does. The devil lies aren't random. And I think Pastor Eli touched a little on this last week. He's crafty and clever with a custom plan for each of us. That means the devil is constantly studying you as a human and figuring out your weaknesses and exactly where he can hit you so that he can bring you down. He knows you much better than you know yourself. He's intentional with his deceptive ideas. He's trying to hit you in your weak spots so that you can fall. See, his deceptive plan plays into some deep issues in the human heart that is bent on doing wrong. The human heart was created by God as a good thing. But this thing called sin that originated in the garden took a hold of your heart and it started to corrupt it. And it started to kill it from the inside out. And so our heart decides to lead us sometimes in ways that are not aligned with the way it's intended to. There's a scripture that talks about sin is crouching at your door. Sin is crouching at your heart. Seeking to dominate you and to overcome you. And destroy you so to help us understand this whole concept i'm going to use a passage in scripture some of you uh if you're reading along with our new testament reading may have just read this passage yesterday in ephesians chapter 2 which is so cool how a lot of this is kind of lining up with what we're reading in our bible study and 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 the message series that we're in is all kind of tied together and uh god just has a way of doing that And so we look at Ephesians chapter 2, verses 1 through 3. If you have your Bibles, you can turn with me, or it should be on the screen behind me. As for you, you were dead in your transgressions and sin, in which you used to live when you followed the ways of this world, and the ruler of the kingdom of the air, the spirit who is now at work in those are disobedient all of us also lived among them at one time gratifying the cravings of our flesh and following its desires and thoughts like the rest we were by nature deserving of wrath the NLT puts it this way all of us used to live in that way following the passionate desires and inclinations of our sinful nature. If you are not in Christ, you're still living there. <laughs> but if you're in Christ, what he's saying is that you used to live there and God is doing a restoring work in your life. Okay? And we'll unpack that a little more here. Now he, he talks about in here the spirit of this world. We'll be referring to two different spirits in this message today. The first being the spirit of this world, the ruler of the kingdom of the year, which he's talking about is the devil, the the ruler of this earth, the devil. And we kind of talked about that when we talked about the devil. So we see that he's a, a slave to the spirit of this world, leads to passionate, which is disordered, desires, that feed and gratify the cravings of our flesh. So when we submit to the spirit of this world, when we give in to the ways of this world, when we give in to to the ways or the deceptive ideas of the devil, then what we start seeing is that we start to have these cravings and, and we try to gratify those cravings of the flesh by giving in to the lies of the enemy. So you've got to understand that desire when it's not in alignment with Christ, when Christ is ahead and we have his desires, but when we have desires of this world, desires is a bad master. And to be at the mercy of desire is to be a slave. And desires is not simply fleshly things. It is the craving for anything that is a forbidden thing. It is anything that is a forbidden thing. Thing, having a desire. We see that in the beginning. We see that in the garden when Eve had this desire for a forbidden fruit that God said, You shall not eat from, you can eat from anything but not this. And how did the enemy trick her? Did God really? say you shouldn't did god really say you shouldn't and 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 you know what if you did you, you you'll have more wisdom you'll you'll be like god and you will god said you will die the enemy said you will not die and he tempted her into stepping into the forbidden fruit right and we see that in our lives today some of the things that i'm going to name off I don't want you to get confused here by, I'm not saying that they were bad because God created them for good, but outside of God's plan, they become very destructive. So when we look at forbidden fruit, like sex, like money through corruption, possessions, power, fame, These are all things that start to become forbidden fruits because they start to take the place of God or they start to rule over our lives and they are outside of what God intended them to be. Now, I know the the world has portrayed sex as this thing that, oh man, it must be bad because when we talk about sex, we talk about it in a bad sense. Here's what we've got to understand. Sex was created by God. It was created by God. It was created for a man and a woman, a husband and a wife, to be in an intimate relationship because of the chemistry that God created that causes a oneness that happens. But what we see is that it was created for within the the barriers or the walls of a marriage. But outside of it, it becomes destructive. Same with money. Money is not bad if we are the master of it and we use it in the right way. But when it becomes the master and it uses you, it's destructive and it's corruptive. Possessions are not bad things to have as long as you're in control and you know that you have them for the right reasons And you're using them wisely and they're not getting you in debt and getting you in problems where you can afford what you have But outside of that, the cravings of our flesh lead us down the wrong path And so we see this, how the desire, when it's not in alignment with God, when it's in alignment with the enemy It starts to become destructive But when it's in alignment with God, we we use it in the way that it was intended to be used, and it brings help and life. So we look at gratifying the cravings of our flesh. What is Paul talking about here when he says flesh? Uh, The Greek word for flesh is called socks. Uh, And just like in the English vocabulary, uh, we have certain words like, for example, fair. Fair is... That's a fair deal, or that person has a fair complexion, okay? It has multiple, or we have the carnival fair that you go to, right, a fair. So the same word has three different meanings. Likewise, the word flesh or socks in the Greek has three different meanings. So the first meaning being the body, our body, it's referring to our body secondly it's referring to uh, an ethnicity a body of people right but the way that Paul uses the word flesh in this whole passage is different what he refers to when he refers to the flesh is our animalistic or should I say carnal cravings of our body apart from God we take our flesh, our body, and we take God out of it. Now our animalistic cravings start to take rule over our lives, and that's exactly what Paul is talking about. And we find that in Romans chapter seven, verse five, where he says, um, where he refers to it as sinful passions or sinful appetites, appetites that are sinful that do not honor and bring glory to God. The flesh is anything in us that gives sin its chance to take root and grow. Think of it this way sin is a seed, a, an idea that the enemy brings, that is a lie that he t- portrays as truth, and he drops it in you. And anything that gives sin uh, something to grow, uh, uh, take root and grow, is now becoming a fleshly desire that is not honoring to God. In other words, flesh is humans without God. To live and govern, ruled and led by the flesh is simply to live in such a way that our lower nature, underbelly, the worst part of us, dominates our lives. The worst part of us takes control of our lives and tells us what to do. And sometimes we wonder why and how 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 come I got to this spot? How how did I find myself in this spot? It's because the lowest part of us, we give permission to the lowest part of our body to take control and to direct our lives. Just think for yourself when you've made the dumbest decision in your life, you all have done it, right? And you wake up the next day and you go, uh, uh, how did I do that? Why did I do that? What was I thinking? I wasn't thinking because the lowest part to control. See, when we look at the state of our humanity, it is dead in sin. Paul speaks about people being dead in sin this is deeply rooted in everything we see Paul talking about when he comes to the human condition it goes back to Genesis chapter 1 verse uh, chapters 1 through 4 where we see how God created everything good but because man decide to rebel against God and take his own make his own decisions and try to be like God sin entered the world and from there on we are all sinful people we are rooted in sin and we have this sin nature inside of us that is crouching at the door trying to bring us down to defeat us to steal kill and destroy so we've got to understand that humans were made to image god wow think of that guys just stop and think about that you and i were created to image god to reflect God, to be a, a, a reflection of the light to the world. That's what we were created. But when we turned away, we turned away from God, when we hid, when we ran away from God, which is the human tendency um, to reflect ourselves versus God, we started to live in these fleshly desires that become, became destructive. Um, I, I speak to a lot of people that go through a lot of things in life. But here is the kind of common denominator. And when you see yourself doing this, this should be a red flag. Most people that are struggling and are having a hard time are hiding and running from God. When you start to hide, when you start to run away, when being, in the, being with God's people or in God's presence starts to become not as exciting, that needs to be a red flag. That something is shifting. What did Adam and Eve do? They walked in the coolness of the day. The moment they sinned, what did they do? They hid. God walked up and they were hiding. They were hiding behind the trees. They didn't want to see God's face because they knew inside of them there was this guilt of sin that had started to creep in. What we do is we cut ourselves from the source of life. The source of life, the vine, being connected to the vine, which is Jesus being the source of life. When we connect to him, we have life. When we disconnect from him, when we turn away from him, we turn away from Jesus. We turn away from God, we turn towards the devil. There's the spirit of this world and the spirit of God. We have one or the other. We stay connected or we get disconnected. We dry up, we wither, and we fall apart. See, anything that needs to grow needs to be fed. You take a tree, you need to feed it. You take your body, you got to feed it. Anything that needs to grow needs to be fed. The seed of sin, which is the de- devil's deceptive ideas, Fed to the flesh leads to disordered desires. The seed of sin fed to the flesh starts to take root and grows and leads to disordered desires. It grows in us. So as we take the next three weeks to talk about the flesh, I want to take a few minutes this morning to talk about the seed of sin. Because this is important for us to understand this is where it all starts. It's that light, that deceptive idea, it's that deceptive thought that is coming your way, that is a seed, that is sinful, that is not from God, that is from the enemy, and he's coming to get you because that is his only goal, is to be deceptive to destroy you, right? Because he comes to steal, kill, and destroy. Sin kills innocence. You talk about the innocence of a child, right? child is born, and they have this innocence about themselves, but then they start to become a teenager and hmm, it starts to shift and then they become an adult and man, talk about the innocence all... Sin kills the innocence. We start to see these layering effects that start to layer in our lives that start to destroy us. No one is precisely the same after he has sinned. Psychologists tell us that we never... Forget anything. We never forget anything. It may be not, it may not be in our conscious memory, but it is all in our subconscious. So, in other words, sin leaves us permanently affected as men, as as, as men and women. It has a, a permanent effect on us. But God is still able to restore us. He's able to transform us through His grace and through His mercy. The concept of childhood memories coming back to haunt us is a real thing because there is a sin thing inside of us that starts to change us and transform us, and our innocence and our purity is killed. Sin steals our purity it steals our purity number two sin kills ideals regarding perfection in the lives of so many there are uh, things that this this kind of process takes these three-step process the tragic process when we look at how uh, sin kills ideals. stage one Stage one, a man regards some wrong without any horror. Okay? Um, so he, he kind of looks at the wrong things and, and he has a little bit uh, of shock to it, but it doesn't, it doesn't, uh, it's, it's starting to kind of, he's getting comfortable with it. Stage two comes with, he's tempted into doing it, but even as he does it, he's still unhappy and at ease and every conscience uh, at ease that his conscience is telling him that it's wrong and that it's this tug of war that is happening inside of him, but he still wants to do it. Stage three is when he has done that thing so often that he does it without an uneasy feeling. Stage one, he has this inside feeling that it's wrong. Stage two, there's this tug of war between right and wrong, and he's kind of going back and forth. Stage three, the uneasy feeling is gone. Um, any, any video gamers in the house? Any video gamers? You're afraid to raise your hand because I might... Okay, we've got one gamer in the house. Okay, I'm not a video gamer, but man... Um, I mean, I kind of looked this up because I I see all these advertisements and commercials for video games, and I don't know about you, but I feel like, uh, not all, I just, I don't want to make a general statement, but I feel like video games are getting uh, more violent than ever. (laughs) So I looked up this one game, I just, I researched what is the most uh, violent game, and it it came up with Mortal Kombat, (laughs) okay? So I want to do a little research on it. Anybody know what I'm talking about, Mortal Kombat, okay? Okay, some of you do. Some of you are raising your hands. Okay. Uh, This game originated in 1992, okay? And they just released a version um, this past, uh, this uh, few months back. So I I just wanted to kind of get a glimpse of this, the game. So I kind of played the version of 1992 and I, I looked at it and it was like, okay, it's a little bloody. It's a little gruesome. It's, it's still cartoony. And then I played the version of 2023. I don't recommend you playing it, because it really did mess with my head for a while. It was very bloody, very messed up. And as humans, we're playing this game. But here's the crazy thing. I'm sure for the person that started playing the game in 1992, The game in 2023 doesn't face them, because it was a slow process. It was a slow progression, a slow fade into, oh, that's not good enough. That's not enough. I need more. That's not enough. I need more. I don't get that. I don't get the excitement in that. I need more, right? And now we end up in this place where it is so violent and so deadly and destructive and unhealthy. To help us understand this, I've got this um, example I'd like to read to you guys. But before I do that, I want to say sin, each sin makes the next sin easier. So keep that in mind. Each sin makes the next sin easier. So we see a TV show or movie with nudity that causes curiosity or makes us a little uncomfortable, okay? But then we we see that and that curiosity causes us to now go looking and we find a magazine, a magazine with nudity, less uncomfortable, more curiosity. A magazine that leads to a computer screen with pornography. Now we're stepping into a deeper zone than we should. We started in the, the shallow zone, the curiosity, the, the cravings, the desires for the fleshly need. An innocent accident first step led to an addiction. Now we're in a state of pornography that becomes an addiction in our life. Porn that leads to unhealthy marriages. Started with a simple movie and a magazine that has carried on into our adulthood that is impacting our marriages. Porn that leads to mil- a million dollar industry. And I'll share some stats here in a few minutes with you. Porn industry that leads to kids being sex trafficked to satisfy disordered desires of humans. I don't know how many of you saw the movie Sound of Freedom. Kids being sex trafficked because someone wants their disordered desire met. Women being made objects of pleasure to satisfy a disordered fleshly desire. Where did it start? A seed, an idea that was planted. Damon Brown, the author of Playboy's greatest cover, said it this way. He said, it seems so obvious. If we invent a machine, the first thing we're going to do after making a profit is use it to watch porn. So here is a, a stat I'd like to throw out there. You guys have that graphic if you can put it out there. We all are into the virtual reality right now. Virtual reality games, virtual reality systems, virtual reality, everything is virtual reality. It is projected that virtual reality porn should be at a one billion dollar business by the year 2025. That is the third behind um, virtual reality gaming, which is at 1.4, and the NFL virtual reality at 1.23 million uh, billion. Here are some other stats, parents, that you need to be aware of. There's a QR code on there that you can scan or you can go to your app, and there is a link that will take you to some disturbing stats that we need to be aware of. I think a lot of times we live in this world where there is no awareness of what's happening around us and it starts to become very destructive. 2018 studies re- uh, revealed that nearly 27% of our teenagers are receiving sexting messages and 15% are sending them. 57% of, us, of our teenagers uh, search out porn at least monthly. That's half of our teenagers. 51% of male students and 32% of female students are are first viewers of porn before their teenage years. The first exposure to pornography among men is 12 years old, on average. That's in our flag kids area. This is one example of how the, how the enemy comes to steal, kill, and destroy by planting a seed of sin in our, in our flesh that causes us to have this desire that is not God-honoring but destructive at the expense of other people. This may make you feel uncomfortable, but this is the reality. This is what we live in. This is why we need to be aware because there's an enemy out there that is crawling around, that is trying to bring you down. But when you are aware of it, then you are able to put up the guardrails that you need so you can protect yourself, so that you can be in God's Word, so that you can spend time with God, so that you can prepare your mind to do battle the way God intended you to do. Uh, battle. Sin is a kind of suicide, for it kills the ideals, which makes life worthwhile. And lastly, in the end, sin kills the will. At first, a man engages in some forbidden pleasure because he wants to do so. In the end, he engages in it because he cannot help doing so it takes control it takes control of your life one thing becomes a habit um, it's and, and before long it becomes a necessity the flesh when one man has allowed some habits some indulgences some forbidden practices to master him he becomes its slave Think of the things that have got you in your life. Or maybe there are things in your life that you're struggling through right now that have caused you to be a slave to it. There is certain murderous powers in sin. The seed of sin. It kills our innocence, it kills ideals, and it kills the will. The spirit of this world wants to feed your flesh to leave you a slave to sin and death. Sin is the seed of deception being sowed by Satan on the soil of your soul to steal, kill, and destroy. So, we've talked about the spirit of this world who is here to, kill, to steal, kill, and destroy. But there is another spirit that is at work. The spirit of hope, the spirit of freedom, the spirit that brings restoration for those that have been in the flesh, that have been in sin, that have been destroyed by the enemy, that have found freedom. There is another spirit. Galatians chapter 5, verse 16 and 17 talks about it. And I say, walk by the spirit and you will not gratify the desires of your flesh. What is he referring to here? He's talking about the Spirit of God. He's talking about the Holy Spirit that comes and lives inside of us. He's saying, so walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the flesh desires what is contrary to the spirit and the spirit what is contrary to the flesh so we see the two spirits opposing each other the spirit of this world which feeds the flesh that gratifies the desires of this flesh that wants you to fall into the trap of the flesh but then there is a spirit of God that is trying to restore you and transform you and and give you and reorder your desires they're in conflict with each other so that uh, you are not to do whatever you want and it goes on in verse 19, we see what the spirit of this world brings to us, the devil. What does he bring to us? The acts of the flesh are obvious. Sexual immorality, impurity and debauchery, idolatry and witchcraft, witchcraft hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissension, factions and envy, drunkenness, ogies and all the like. I warn you that as I did before, that you who live like this will not inherit the kingdom of God. The desires of the flesh, disordered desires, lies, ideas started by the devil so that he can destroy you, to separate you from God, to reverse and create chaos, not order. Do any of those things on that list today create order? But we still fall into them. We practice them. We live with them. They impact our lives. We know people that have been devastated by them. But then we go. The Spirit of God, verse 22, but the fruits of the Spirit, the Spirit of God that lives inside of us, That transforms us is love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. For those who belong to Christ have crucified the flesh with it, uh, with its passions and desires. Since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit, and let us not become conceited provoking and envying each other here's something that caught my attention let us keep in step with the spirit let us keep in step with the spirit what that means is that let us walk daily with the spirit because when we walk daily with god's spirit then there is a transforming power that starts to happen inside of us when we walk daily with the spirit then we know what is truth and we know what is lies when we walk daily with the spirit then we know when the enemy comes with a a deceptive idea or, or a concept that is not from god when we walk daily with the spirit then we know that there are things inside of us that are fleshly that are corrupting us that we need to let go because The Spirit of this world and the Spirit of God cannot live in the same body. And the Spirit of God brings revelation to you, brings insight to you, brings discernment to you, brings wisdom, brings direction on how you should change your lifestyle and what you should stop doing and what you should start doing. But it says, live, keep in step with the Spirit. Here is another thing that caught my attention. Let us not become conceited. I think sometimes as followers of Jesus Christ, we get to the spot where we say, you know what, I'm good. (laughs) I give my life to Jesus Christ. I've committed my life. I'm all set. I go to church on Sundays. Man, nothing's going to bring me down. That's a dangerous place. The moment we think, And nothing is going to bring us down is the moment that we fall. Because let me tell you, Flag Church, (laughs) the enemy is more worried about you than he's worried about the person that is lost. Why is he worried about the person that is lost? He's lost anyway. But he's worried about you because you're in God's will. And if he can destroy you, he's coming after you. He knows you. He's studying you. He knows your weak areas. Now, I'm not sharing this to scare you or to say you need to live in fear because we don't have to live in fear because when God is for us, who can be against us, right? But we've got to be wise. But if God is for us, That means we walk in stride with the Spirit. If God is for us, that we spend time with God daily. We spend time in His Word. We spend time in prayer. We spend time being connected to the vine because it said earlier, when we are disconnected from the vine, we wither away. When we are disconnected from the vine, we fall prey to the enemy. We fall into his trap. So stay connected to the enemy. You'd stand with me at this time. Cravings and desires, the flesh, are disordered by the spirit of the air, which is Satan. But the spirit of God helps us reorder our desires, and he helps us realign them to be in the right way. The spirit of this air is using deception, which is lies, to lead you down the path of false freedom that leads to slavery and death. But the Spirit of God is wanting to use truth to set you free from the lies and lead you down the path of true freedom where your flesh acts with love, with the love of Christ. The love of Christ. God wants the best for you. He formed you. He shaped you. He created you. He knows you. He understands you. He sees you. You may be in a spot this morning where you feel like, man, I just feel beat up. Man, I feel like, man, I feel like I'm living in the flesh. I feel like I'm so far from God. But guess what? All it is is one step towards him. One step because he loves you so much. He's there with open arms. All he's saying, and you heard it this morning, I'm standing at the door and I'm knocking. All we've got to do is open that door, right? Open that door so he can step in and he can start the freedom process in your life so that he can start the restoration process in your life. Or maybe you're standing here this morning going, man, I'm so glad I'm on the right side. Well, guess what? I'm so glad you're on the right side too, but let's stay on the right side. Let us stay connected. Let us walk in stride with the Spirit. Let us be in in communion with Him constantly so that we can know the will of the Father. One of the things I wanted to wrap up, as I'm wrapping up, I wanted to share this. I know that these uh, topics have brought a lot of questions in our life groups. A lot of, um, man, what should I do? How should I handle this situation? Um, I want to let you know this is good. I'm glad we're having those deep discussions in our life groups. I'm glad that we're having these uh, challenging, or should I say, uh, conversations that are causing us to dig deeper. But here's the thing. Man, if your life group leader is not able to, which I don't expect them to know everything, come find one of us as pastors. And I'm not saying that we're going to have all the answers either. We'll figure it out together. But here's the thing. I don't want you to wrestle with this by yourself and walk away without walk away without. Answers. If you are wrestling with this, come find us. Let's talk together. Let's get you on the right path. Let's get you to the, to the truth that is found in God's Word and let's find answers together because God wants the best for you. He does. So this morning, with every eye closed and every head bowed, maybe you're in this room this morning and you're saying, man, I'm on the wrong side. Man, I'm, I'm struggling with my fleshly desires man, I'm, I'm kind of going about this the wrong way, that's me, and I need to give my life to Jesus Christ, or I need to recommit my life to Jesus Christ, I want Jesus to come into my life so I can be on the right side, so I can I can start this journey with Jesus, if that's you, I want to give you an opportunity this morning, if you just want to raise your hand, and all you're saying is that's me, Yes, thank you, and I, I want to give my life to Jesus. I want to recommit my life. I want to realign my life with Jesus. If that's you, if you can just slip your hand up, and we're just going to pray a prayer together. all. If that's you, thank you. Anyone else? Okay, here's what I'm going to have you guys do. I'm going to uh, uh, share a prayer, and I want you to... Um, follow along with me, repeat it after me and we'll do it all together to help those that are uh, sharing this prayer with themselves for the very first time so let's do this together Lord come into my life forgive me of my sin I turn away from my sin I turn towards you I give you all of my life all that I am all that I have, and all that I hope to be. I am yours. Thank you for forgiving me. Thank you for changing me. And thank you for saving me. In Jesus' name.